coming in as Loom. Hillendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, we are underway. It is U.S. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners and downloaders. And welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. Thursday, November 23rd with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. It's uh, Thanksgiving south of the border, which means Friday is Black Friday, which means we're here at Adrenaline Source for Sports at 9309 McLeod Trail South. Tell you about the Black Friday and Black Friday weekend sale, which starts at 9 a.m. on Friday morning, November 24th. So uh, that's where we are for this hour of Flames Talk. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Wes. Hello, Patrick. How we doing? Good. Was a that was a rather uninspired loss in Nashville on Wednesday night. Oh, that was just red rotten wasn't it tough to watch and yet there they were within a goal entering the third period but there wasn't a whole lot of resilience there on and that's that's not a knock on them being resilient before but they just did not have it at, at really any stretch and especially they, they looked like a gassed group i'm not sure if that had to, but they they looked like a team that just didn't have anything in the final 40 minutes they, they, they were able to generate two slot shots at five-on-five five in the final two periods of play. Credit to the Preds. They played well. They're on the uptick themselves, but that was tough to watch on, on Wednesday night. If I was Jacob Marstrom, and, and I think Jacob's a much better team player than this, but if I was Jacob Marstrom, I would have walked from stall to stall in the locker room last night <laughs> just shaking my head in disgust. Not even a word. Like, like, if that wasn't for Jacob, that game would have been seven or eight two and i i get that there were some unforced errors the that incredible glove save that he made on trennan you know it is starts with his giveaway i know that he'd be ticked off that the ryan o'reilly goal on the the rebound off the end boards the the sort of bank pass there slides under his paddle but if not for jacob markstrom that game's just not close. Yep. And going into a stretch of your schedule now where you're playing a bunch of legitimate Stanley Cup contenders, it's pretty unnerving that you made the Nashville Predators look like a cup contender last night, and they are not. Yep. The uh, they, They've got some difficult opposition coming up. There's no doubt about it. And they've got 15 games now before a very short – I don't even know why we call it the Christmas break because – it's just like any other time in the schedule. Just happens that there's a religious holiday in the middle of it. Uh, there's not really a Christmas. They play at eight o'clock on the twenty third, and then I think play again that on the twenty seventh. Eight o'clock? Yeah, oh, it's in L.A. Right? Um, of course it is. So I bring this all up because as as the team continues to figure out where exactly they belong in the western conference standings craig conroy continues where and when exactly he wants to or how he wants to go about um approaching these unrestricted free agents and 
when he might want to make decisions on how to go about approaching these free agents. Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. So is it fair to say that, like when I said last hour when we were talking to Derek, I said it's, it's not a matter of if but when we see these unrestricted free agents move i'm not saying that all four of them are going to get traded but i i'm 100 percent certain they're not re-signing all four guys i i do not see a world where all four of zadorov tanev hannafin and lindholm get new contracts i just don't and because of that and how adam and craig conroy has been that he's not going beyond the trade deadline with guys he could lose for nothing well i'm going to take craig at his word and i believe that he has the go-ahead to go about it like this yeah, those guys will be traded, and they will make moves. So thus, I think it's fair to say, putting all those pieces together, that, yeah, they are going to be trading away between now and the deadline one to four of these unrestricted free agents. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yep. One, two, three, or four. Traded or signed? Traded. Four. Yeah. I agree. Just as as it's that, I mean, that can change. But on November 23rd, I say four. Yeah. So the question then becomes, if that is correct, what should they be targeting in those trades? And the answer for me is simple when I say futures. But that's a cop-out. What the hell does futures mean? Okay, well, thanks. What does that mean? Um, So I'll go a little bit more specific. And it's still not super specific, but I do think you need to be looking at a combination of things. I think picks, for sure, high picks. I think if you're talking about Hannafin and Lindholm, for sure, first-round picks have got to be on the table and almost non-negotiable. But a combination of picks, prospects, and NHL-ready young players. So now we're getting a little bit more specific as to what we're talking about with futures, right? You want to keep going, or can I jump in for a Absolutely, second? you can jump in. I'm, I'm willing, when you talk about first-round picks being almost non-negotiable, I'm willing to take first-round equivalents instead. In fact, knowing the Calgary Flames do not want to do a full-scale full to, the, stud. to yep. the studs rebuild, then I think there's something to be said for trying to pick up a sort of first-round equivalent who's maybe 20 or 21 years old already and i i would consider that to be equal value well and when i say nhl ready young players i think it's it's important to maybe start getting specific there as well like what does that mean i have ideas i have definitions um i think i think and and to your point in in some of these cases i think that nhl ready young players could be equivalent of first round picks in this year's draft or the 2025 draft i'm looking at players in the 20 to 24 range that are are maybe buried on other teams depth charts who maybe aren't on other teams nhl rosters but who could be on nhl rosters elsewhere who are still high-end players and thought of very highly by these organizations a lot of times maybe they're high picks in the past but you know some of the teams that are going to be chasing down these players that the flames have are, are probably teams that are pretty competitive right now and thus have 
deepish NHL rosters, so some of these 20, 21, 22-year-old players may not be playing. If they are in the NHL, maybe they're not playing as high up the depth chart as they could be, or maybe they're they're in the American League as it stands right now. I have I have some ideas, and I just I went and I started scouring around and and, and talking to a few people and and looking at some different rosters of some competitive teams that I think could be fits for some of Calgary's players and players who might then fit that young NHL or mold. You, you've done some good digging here. You and I do not necessarily see eye to eye on whether you can dig yourself out of a hole, <laughs> but other sorts of digging, I'm impressed. There, there's some fun names on this list. So the one that I've, I, I threw this out there first on Tuesday, I think, and, and I really like it's, it's a Calgary product, and I, I'm not quite sure what Anaheim's doing on their blue line right now. I go and I look. I understand that Cam Fowler and Jamie Drysdale, and I, I, and and they signed Radko Gudis, so I know they've got guys that are clearly, and Drysdale's hurt right now, but they've, they've got guys that are clearly on the roster, but I take a look at like the bottom three, four that Anaheim has right now, and then I take a look at what 2021 second-round pick Olin Zellweger's doing, and I'm like, well, this guy, he's a Calgary kid. He had a great junior career in Everett and then Kamloops. He's almost a point per game as a rookie in the American League with San Diego. This this guy, I think, is, first of all, a pretty high-end D prospect. And second of all, looks like a guy that, you know, could be gotten from Anaheim. It doesn't seem like the Ducks are, are ready to promote him uh, to the NHL. I, I just just based on what a few people have have suggested around the league, like I think there's a chance that he could be a a player Anaheim is willing to part with if they're getting a player back in return that they they really value. I think there's a lot there. Zellweger is an elite high end skater. He has got high end offensive instincts. The rest of his game is really coming along. But what holds him back in some minds is that he's not big. He's uh, 5'9", 5'10". He is not what you would consider an oversized or properly sized NHL defenseman, but that's okay. Like, his profile is very Quinn Hughesy, and I'm not saying he's going to be Quinn Hughes because Quinn Hughes looks like he's going to win the Norris this year, but that's a very Quinn Hughesy-like profile, and I I think that, that that's a player, that's an example of a player that I think the Flames could target in a deal with the Anaheim Ducks who look like they are done with their in-the-darkness part of their rebuild and look like they are, are ready to maybe start ascending. So could they be interested in an Elias Lindholm in a trade where they also extend him or a Noah Hannafin in a trade where they also extend him? Yeah, I think they absolutely could and would be. I think Anaheim sniffed around some Flames players over the last number of months anyway. So there, that's, that's, just, that, that's the first name that comes to mind is a player like that. I want you to jump uh, to the third player on your list. You've got another defenseman. Why don't you touch on that quickly and then let? Because I want to weigh in on both of these together. If the others, the others in SoCal too. Yeah, and, and that's another former. So Zellweger is a high second, almost first round pick. Brant Clark is a fifth overall pick of the Los Angeles Kings. He is a point per game player with Ontario of the American Hockey League, and again buried in L.A. system, and the Kings don't really feel like they're close to bringing Clark up until they run into some injury issues. 
Kings have eyes on a Stanley Cup. And so if they're looking for, uh, remember how much they paid for Kafrikov last year? So if, if the Kings believe that they are knocking on the door to be a deep playoff run team this year, you're telling me that they wouldn't be all over a Zadorov or a Tanev or a Hannafin? Maybe, maybe Lindholm doesn't fit their mold just because of what they've got going on down the middle with Dubois and, and Kopitar. But you're telling me they wouldn't be looking at adding another defenseman like that? Maybe uh, in a re-sign situation with Hannafin, maybe in a rental situation. But again, I think Brant Clark's a guy, much like Zellweger, that really good American League numbers, young, probably ready to be on an NHL roster, but for whatever reason aren't on NHL rosters right now. I, I really like these two names. And, and more than anything, I, I sort of like the wavelength you're on in terms of the Calgary Flames are going to need to restock that blue line pipeline. You're talking about, this is a team right now, and let's take Oliver Shillington out of the equation because we don't know what his future looks like. This is a team with five proven NHL defensemen, and they're about to trade three of them, or it sure feels that way. And you look at what they have sort of waiting in the wings. Obviously, Rasmus Anderson is going to be a big part of it, they hope, for a long time. Obviously, Mackenzie Weger, who is just starting an eight-year extension, is going to be a big part of it for a long time. But beyond that, you know, Nick Simone has done some really nice things. He's 29 years old. Who knows what his future holds? And whatever it is, we're talking about a third-pairing guy, right? You you go look, same thing with Dennis Gilbert. That's a third-pairing guy at best. You yep. go look in the minors, you've got... Jeremy Poirier, whose development is going to be stalled a little bit by a serious cut injury this season. You've got Ilya Solovyov, another guy who I think as high as, as I am on Solovyov really projects as, as nothing more than a third-pairing defenseman. So you're going to need to fill those gaps at some point on your defense, and that's why I like those two guys that you're talking about so much is that if you're trading three defensemen, you're not necessarily looking for a guy. It doesn't have to, I guess I should say, be a guy who can play right away, but you really need to go find yourself some guys that you think can be impact defensemen and in the not-too-far-off future. I'm going to add one name to your yeah, list. Cause, please do. Cause sort of along the same line of thinking, teams that we know are interested, maybe – have a guy who's blocked. A guy that I'm really curious about is Seamus Casey. Second-round pick of the New Jersey Devils in 2022. 20 points in 14 games for the Michigan Wolverines and the NCAA. By my standard, with Luke Hughes and Simon Nemich, the Devils have reached their maximum on future stud defensemen. Yep. It's time to kind of spread it around a little bit. You're not getting, I, you're not getting Nemich out of there. You're you're not getting anyone with the last name Hughes. Hughes in any had a new trade. jersey, yeah. But here's a guy, right-handed shot that potentially you could steal away from them. They think very highly of him. It's not going to come cheap, but if you're Craig Conroy and if you're willing, especially as a sweetener, to take on some salary or retain some salary in those deals, that's the kind of prospect that I think you should be swinging at. I got a few other, uh, I like that by the way, um, a few other names that I would kind of put in similar categories, some forwards. Um, 
I believe it was Dylan on Flames Talk postgame on Wednesday night who threw out the name Alex Turcott, also of the L.A. Kings. Dylan and Revelstoke? Uh, no, Dylan and Sask. Oh, a different okay. Dylan. He spells his name differently. Um, I think he, he I, somebody threw out Turcott. I think it was him. Turcott's a former fifth overall pick. Again, buried on a pretty deep L.A. team, but a point-per-game player with the Ontario Reign again. I think that you're talking about a pretty solid player. And, again, a guy that could be like, okay, that if, if you put him in the NHL, I, I think he's played 12 NHL games and he's yet to record a point, but some guys develop at different levels. Alex Turcott, former fifth overall pick, um, maybe at a different level, but Logan Stankoven is having an unreal rookie season in the american league with the texas stars in austin he's at 18 points in 14 games as a rookie yeah and i know someone on the text line mentioned wyatt johnson in dallas you're you're not getting that player out of there but no i think logan stankman is uh i i think that's a legitimate target because Dallas is a team that is looking to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, right? so they're not subtracting. Wyatt Johnson's on their NHL roster. I believe he's helping. their leading scorer, isn't he? That sounds correct. Yeah. So Wyatt Johnston is helping them winning a Stan- win a Stanley Cup this year if they do it. Logan Stankoven is in the American League and I think could be on many NHL rosters that aren't Dallas. Stars are a very deep team at forward. While if, say, the Stars go after Hannafin or they go after Lindholm, I think both would be great fits in Dallas. Could you not? That would be the example of a guy that you could be like, well, maybe it's Stankoven in a second as right. opposed to getting a first. That's the type of guy that I think, or another type of guy that I think that you should be looking at right now. Let me just correct us before the text line does. Why Johnston has faded a little bit offensively since they were in Calgary. So he's four points off the team lead. Joe Pavelski leads, but the point remains. He's... A huge He's an part active of part yeah. of one of the best teams in the Western Conference, yeah. right? Um, few other names. I don't know. Like Cole Sillinger's in the NHL right now. But he's number three on Columbus's yeah. depth chart. Like, what if you're they... going to start me on a rant here? Okay. What What if they were like, you know, Elias Lindholm and Johnny Gaudreau have played well together? Maybe let's go get here. Uh, so here's Elias my Lindholm. here's my problem. Can somebody explain to me? From a Columbus Blue Jackets perspective, with Adam Fantilli, like, someone explain to me why they view Elias Lindholm as Johnny Gaudreau's center for the next six years. Instead of Fantilli? Yeah. Please, somebody. Like, I keep seeing these trade rumors. Oh, well, they're just going to give him Sillinger, Kent Johnson. No. (laughs) I should be doing Columbus radio. Why would they do that? Okay, what about what about uh, what if they were looking for a defenseman? Well, then potentially those names are in play. I just I, the the Elias Lindholm this this team that is a total dumpster fire is gonna trade for Elias Lindholm because him and no, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I don't see it. Well, maybe. Look what you've done. Maybe, I'm upset. Maybe now it's a Fantilli and Line. They're going to ask Lindholm me to leave. And a Gaudreau. Sport, sorts for sports is going to probably say, sir, you have to stop with the yelling. Sir, you're causing a scene. The children are crying. You're, uh, I know you don't have children, but you're making them cry anyway. So I'm sorry. Um, these are the type of names that yeah. I think 
you could be looking for. And I think there's varying levels. Like I, I, I like, I think Brant Clark, uh, Zellweger, and Stankoven are at at like the highest end level. Like those could be first round pick equivalents, right? Right. Whereas, Same, and even like a Turcotte, right? You're talking yep. about a guy who it's a former fifth overall pick, right? You're talking about a guy who has sort of knocked on the door. Did you say twelve NHL games? Twelve NHL games. Like yep. I kind of look at Alexander Holtz in New Jersey the same way, and he's he's been a a regular in their lineup this season. But but that's a guy who, if you're trying to acquire some pieces, you're probably willing to take a guy off your third line in in some ways. And I don't know that this is the best fit for the Flames, but we've talked about Nils Hoglander, I'm sorry, in Vancouver the same way, like a guy who had kind of been knocking at the door, not establishing the foothold at at least until more recently last season, spent a bunch of time in the minors. And so those targets, the guys who are in the NHL but a team might be willing to part with because they're not not a Wyatt Johnson, they're not that key part of, of their run, but that age range and talent range that you're in makes perfect sense and then there's uh, there's also the you know the, there's maybe a, a different tier like maybe you're getting a first round pick and an nhl ready player but because you're getting a first round pick well you're not getting the type of player like like a clark or a zellweger or or uh, a stankoven or a turcotte even a few other names. Um, Justin Sordiff is a Western Canadian guy in Florida. Right shot, right wing kind of profiles. Is a really good two-way winger. He's made his NHL debut this year. He's having a decent year in the American League. Uh, I think a Calgary kid, Ozzie Weisblatt's former first-round pick of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and he's kind of making his way in pro hockey right now. Again, those would be guys at a different tier. But, again, you're looking at it from a flame standpoint. So, the flames are everybody everybody who's somewhat opposed that i've spoken to about trading away some of these players say to me well okay well if you trade away lindholm and you trade away hannafin and you trade away tanev and zadorov well then what are you left with well it's like well yeah that's that's a good question and not in every single one of these cases are you going to bring in players that can replace them right away. But if you bring in two or three, say you trade all four, and you bring in two or three younger players that you get into your lineup right away for the rest of the season, mixed with some picks, and it opens the door for Solovyov and Coronado and maybe a Klapka and maybe another defenseman, maybe when Poirier's ready, um, or, or a Kuznetsov or so. All of a sudden, now you've got more youth in the lineup, and yeah, you're probably not going to be at the same competitive level as you were before, but that's okay. If you're making these trades, you're going in a different direction anyway. You're not winning a Stanley Cup this year if you're trading away these unrestricted free agents. So if you do take a slight step back competitive-wise, but this NHL time helps these young players and helps them develop, and now all of a sudden, in a year or two's time, you're ready with these young guys and maybe a couple of other targeted off-season moves, maybe it doesn't have to be this half decade or decade long rebuild that a lot of people are worried about well and i think that is exactly what the flames need to be sort of zeroing in on because you have jonathan huberto signed for seven seasons beyond this one and and you have nazem kadri signed for five seasons beyond this one and, and you're really 
you know, if you're embracing whatever you want to call it, retool, reload, rebuild, you want to be competitive again sooner than later. And so instead of taking a, a stash of first-round picks and hoping that those guys can help you in four years, if you can get some guys who are 20 or 21 or 23 years old that can help you sooner, you have a chance to kind of expedite things. And yep. and the one thing I would add, and I, I think it – gives the Calgary Flames a little bit of an advantage. I mean, I, I'm sure their pro scouting staff is working triple time right now, watching a ton of AHL, their amateur scouting staff as well, not just focused on the draft, but, like, they know what's coming. They, they, they're obviously trying to have a book on every prospect who might be available anyways, but I, I know right now these guys must be just working bonkers trying to be ready for what's to come for Craig Conroy. And the thing that I would say could be an advantage is other than potentially goalie, I don't know that there's a position that you'd say, oh, well, they don't really need a guy there. Ah, no, they, nah, they're fine there. Don't, don't get a whatever, you know, don't get a center. Don't get a, no, you, you need defensemen. You could use centers. You could use left wingers. You could use right wingers. So, Whatever team calls, have your list of what their top prospects are. And you're probably not getting the guy at the top of the list, but look at the guy who's third or fourth and might be blocked on his way up. There's a chance to get some value there and and to swipe some guys who just need an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, read you a few texts at 969.60. says, guys, love the discussion, love the ideas, but don't they lack extremely high-end talent? And hasn't that always been the problem? How do they deal with that? That's uh, Ben from Sad Fan Town. Um, well, that's kind of part of what we're trying to address right now, A, and B, if you're also getting some picks to go along with, you know, like to, to go along with some of your prospects who already have, if you can get an additional first-round pick or two in the next couple of drafts, then you that that also helps you address some of that high-end talent. I know that it is difficult to draft high-end talent out of the top five, but I do think Frank Saravalli made a really interesting point on Tuesday's show when he said. Teams that try to tank, have we seen a team that is purposely tanked turn it into eventually a promised land, uh, like like landing in the promised land? Because to my knowledge, I don't know if we have, or at least not recently. Well, and, and look at the reason we're talking about the teams we're talking about trying to acquire these guys. What, why are the Dallas Stars in the position they're in? They have done a damn good job of scouting, and so it – some of these guys that they've scouted, if you can poach a couple away and put them in your own system, same with the New Jersey. Why are the New Jersey Devils in such a great spot? Yeah, they had some lean years, but they, they hit on a bunch of their picks, right? Yeah, yeah. They've done a really good job of scouting. And so, you know, if when you're dealing with these teams, instead of just saying, yeah, all we want is a first-round pick, kind of a, a lesson learned, and this was two regimes ago, but – all the Flames wanted in, in 2013 when they were trading Bo Meester and Kippersoff and Aginla. All they want, sorry, they didn't end up trading Kippersoff, but they were talking about it. All they wanted was first-round picks, right? That was the priority. Whatever prospects you're throwing in, our priority is we have to get first-round picks. Well, they hit on their own first-round pick that year in Sean Monaghan, but the other two played a combined yep. 15 NHL games. Yep. Those those first round picks especially at the back end of the rounder are just 
not the golden ticket. So if you can get a guy who's a first-round equivalent a couple years ahead in his development curve, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Mitch and Alder says, uh, Alderside says, uh, just a thought on the future. If the Flames are able to exchange their pending UFAs for some more exciting young players, I'm all for it. Bring on some high-risk, high-reward hockey for a year or two until they can really dial it in and open a new contending window. This reads, from a Stars fan, I assure you guys, Stankoven is every bit as untouchable as Johnston. No chance they're trading him. You'd have a better chance going after uh, Stranges or even Bark. Bork. Uh, Stankoven's too highly regarded in the organization. I grant you that he is very highly regarded. I don't dispute that at all. However, if they've got an opportunity to acquire Elias Lindholm and sign him to an extension, I I don't think that something like that is completely off the table. That's a guy that all of a sudden, you know, you when you're talking about who's going to be that next guy like you know who your number one center is right in rope hints but who's the number two center in dallas because you know ben and Sagan are in their mid-30s and untouchable in november and, and i appreciate the insight from someone who you know obviously follows the stars organization very closely untouchable in november doesn't always mean untouchable at the start of march especially if the colorado avalanche have just made themselves better with a trade and if the Vegas Golden Knights have just made themselves better with a trade, and we've talked a lot about when do you make these deals if you're the Flames, and I've really vouched on being patient almost right up until the deadline, not to miss the boat, but to try to take advantage of a team that's thinking, oh, my God, we have to go get a guy, and the Flames have two of the best available, maybe that's when you can pry a Stankoven away. I, I absolutely agree. If you make that phone call right now, they're probably laughing, but... Those are the types of targets that this is how the Flames are going to expedite a retool is be asking for those types of targets. You have guys that are going to be in high demand. So don't take a song for them. Don't just take a lottery ticket for them. Ask for those type of prospects. Uh, this from Joel and Clarezone. Good to have Joel and Clarezone back. Been a while since he's texted. Uh, there's plenty of value on getting some assets back as opposed to looking for high-end sharks. The last 15 years, the good teams have had pieces that they drafted and scouted around. Although a generational first-rounder isn't always out there, there are lots of very talented prospects on deep lineups looking for a shot, and that's kind of exactly what we're talking about in terms of targeting some of these guys. And, and we haven't, you know, poured over every roster but teams also know who maybe becomes waiver eligible next year right who who's sort of hitting that ceiling and their team is worried about losing them for free right and and when i say free i mean risking potentially losing them on waivers next fall and so you know those are guys you can target as well yep well, that was a fun talk. That's our look inside hockey on this Thursday. Inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. I'll, uh, I'll ask the question that I uh, have, have been thinking about since well wednesday night so it's not like i've been thinking about this for that long flames talk rolls on this hour it's a thursday from adrenaline source for sports is it time to recall matt coronado from the american league 
So had another two points as the Calgary Wranglers bounce back with a 4-0 win over Tucson Wednesday. He's now up to 11 points in 10 games in the American League. And on a Flames team that is lacking offensive punch, on a Flames team that has a rather anemic power play right now, on a Flames team... That might that, actually be a compliment. I, I don't want to be too harsh. Uh, and they've got, a, they've got a power play that is sorely lacking any type of outside shot mm-hmm. or dangerous shot it does matt coronado not profile as a player that could help him right now especially because they wanted him to go down get his confidence back play lots of minutes in the american league well he's kind of checked all those boxes he's played lots the team has been successful he's got 11 points in 10 games It kind of feels like okay maybe not on this road trip but in the somewhat nearish future, it feels like we're entering that pocket where him coming back makes sense. So I kind of feel like, yeah, it is time to recall Matt Coronado. You're doing it right away? I would wait till the end of the road trip myself. And, okay. and I, I, I do that only just because for straight up, just even for Matt's sake. Like you want him, you want him to come in and help you, but you also want him to be in the best position to come in and help you. So Wranglers play again this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Flames play Friday, Saturday, and then Monday. So they're going to play. The Flames are, this is a hell of a stretch. Nashville to Dallas to Colorado and home. And then you. Don't play Sunday. Oh, and then Monday you've got the defending cup champion juggernaut Vegas Golden Knights to finish off a stretch of four in six. Doesn't, it won't even feel like a home game. It'll be like game five of the road trip for them uh, just with last change. So I, I wonder if you let them play Saturday against, is it Abbotsford who's in, I think, uh, uh, on the weekend against Sounds the right. Wranglers? Yeah. So you play them Saturday. Maybe don't play Coronado Sunday. And then maybe he's in your lineup on Monday when you're going to be a tired team anyway against the Vegas Golden Knights. Or maybe you let Coronado play on the weekend, both games for the Wranglers, and then you bring him in for the game afterwards Thursday, um, which is, what is it, Vancouver on Thursday? Whoever they've got after Vegas. Um, I'm usually pretty good with this. Vancouver Saturday. Okay. Whoever is playing on Thursday uh, at the Scotiabank Saddledome, uh, that, that like, might be Minnesota. That sounds right. Like, you've got this opportunity to get him back into your lineup without having him to catch a plane, without having to shuttle him in and pop him in in the middle of the road trip, finish off this road trip, and then at some point next week bring Coronado back into the fold. That's kind of what I'm proposing right now. I want to preface this by saying that I've not had a chance in person to see the Calgary Wranglers since Matt Coronado was sent down. I I hope to rectify that on Saturday afternoon. By the way, it is Dallas again. Missed on all Minnesota, not Vancouver, not Minnesota. Six game homestand. Minnesota's on it, but not in the right order. So I haven't had a chance to to see Matt Coronado live. Obviously, the numbers: eleven points in ten games indicates that his confidence should be boosted i i i wouldn't dispute that he's ready to come back up but i would say that it has to be in a top nine role i think that kind of goes without saying and so if connor zary's absence is short term which him participating in morning skate yesterday in nashville before 
missing the game due to a lower body injury. The fact he skated leads me to believe this is this is going to be a very short Agreed. thing. Yep. So, Agreed. So you've got the Zari, Kadri, Pospisil line that I'd like to leave together. You've got the Huberto, Backland, Coleman line that I don't see a ton of reason, despite not a great game from any of their four lines last night. I don't see a ton of reason to tinker with that. Yep. So if Agree you on that. if you've got room for Coronado with likely Andrew Mangiapane and Elias Lindholm on that top line, go for it. But if you don't, leave him where he is. If you're not planning to put him on the power play and put him in a top nine role, just leave him where he is for a while. And that would be why I'd be bringing him up. Yeah. To put him into a top nine role and to get him on the power play and to maybe try him on the flank on the power play. He's sure. He's got a very dangerous shot. You know, the he's he scored his first NHL goal in a very dangerous way, right? So I don't know. It just it seems like for a team that is starved for offense that he might be a guy who could help him a little bit. I absolutely agree with you, and it's very rare, I think, that you can see a drastic difference in confidence the way we saw in Matt Coronado. The the shots he was taking, the, the sort of swagger that he played with through the preseason and the first few games of the regular season was was absolutely noticeable. By the end of his stretch to start the season with the Calgary Flames, including the Heritage Classic in Edmonton where he played with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto, he wasn't taking those shots. He, it, it was very obvious he didn't have the same confidence. And so one thing I, I like about bringing him back so soon is that you, you're showing confidence in him. You're, you're saying, hey, we asked you to go down there and play a ton and put some points on the board, and you did it? And now you're back. So I like that part. I just, you have to be committed. And I don't know what it necessarily means for Yegar Sharangovich, who's a guy that I think they'd like to play more, but can't necessarily find a spot for. But you got to put Coronado in the top nine when you bring him back. Just, as it stands right now, if, if they are hell-bent on staying competitive, and if they are hell-bent on moving their way up the standings, it's not going to happen with the power play they got going on right now. No. And I think he could be a guy who could help the power play. I don't know. And and, and, and you're helping your future, too. It, you know, it's building up a guy who you expect to be a big piece for a long time. Yep. A couple of other notes before we wrap the hour. Um, bad giveaway from Huberto. But otherwise, I thought offensively he was one of their more dynamic guys. Wasn't saying much yeah. uh, in Nashville, but... The very least, I didn't see him fade back into obscurity in a game where a lot of guys were rather obscure. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a, a step back, and yet on a night that the power play is so bad, to have your most talented offensive player guilty of that turnover and not have made up for it by producing at a later point in the game, you also can't give him a pass on it, right? It was fine. A lot of his game you liked last night, but he sort of gift-wrapped the momentum for the Nashville Predators at that point in the game, and that puts your team in a tough spot. 
definitely thought they missed Zeri. I don't think there's any doubt oh, about it. Did they ever? And, and, it's and such Zeri, a... Zeri had a meh game the yeah. night before in Seattle, but still thought they missed his playmaking and his creativity. Yeah, it, it's such a credit to Connor Zeri that nine games into his NHL career, he was noticeably absent. Absolutely. The uh, Zadorov fight was interesting. I thought it was good that he stuck up for an opponent. Yeah. There's a lot of noise around Nikita Zadorov right now. And it was even interesting to see a few of his teammates. I know the, the sports that telecast showed that quite a bit. A lot of his teammates going into the penalty box and, you know, just giving a little, like, hey, thanks. Like, that, that was good. You know, being good teammates back to Zadorov. He stuck up for Martin Pospisil after the pseudo slew foot kind of. I don't know, was it a slew foot or a judo takedown or whatever it was yeah. that Jeremy Lozon tried? It was slewy for sure. It was definitely a tripping call and yeah. not good. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I, I paid a lot of attention um, to Nikita Zadorov in, in practices and morning skates when the Flames were home for two games after that trade request. And, and he's usually a guy who's interacting a ton with his teammates, always sort of chirping on the ice. There was a chill around Nikita Zadorov. You could tell, you know, his teammates were ticked at him. And, and as they all try to, I guess, proceed through this in a professional manner, I, I thought Zadorov sticking up for Pospisil the way that he did and then his teammates recognizing it the way they did, I thought that was a good sign that, okay, you know, we know what's out there. We're just going to keep going. We're going to go about our business until this gets done. And finally, 42 on 46 for Markstrom. Uh, bumped his save percentage up a point, so he's now up to 904. Just good to see Markstrom's, that, that number specifically, starting to move towards probably where he's a little more used to. I still don't think it's fully reflective of, of how well he's played this year, but starting to move in the right direction. Yeah, I I'm always really dialed in when i happen to be watching a game on the tv broadcast to how kelly rudy reacts to saves because obviously not many people know the position as well as kelly does and and just even to hear kelly last night describe a couple of saves that looked pretty routine and and why they weren't necessarily routine why they were really good stops from jacob marsham he has been and, and i don't think there's any debate he's just been the best flames player this season uh, with Wes Gilbertson, my name is Pat Steinberg as uh, we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk from Adrenaline Source for Sports. Uh, thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers as well. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.